Welcome back. We're at uh, episode 27 today, as I understand it. Yeah, it's a lot of podcasts we've made. <laughs> yeah, and we're actually back to a fairly regular schedule here. It's been, it's been weekly at this point. Yeah, we've we, got, uh, yeah, we're, we're on a two-week streak right now. <laughs> woo We should start one of those little chain things so we can see how long we can keep it running. Uh, week since last podcast. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Week since last damage drew to podcast. Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, Today we're going to jump right in because we got a lot of a uh, lot of topics to yep, talk about. A bunch of things to talk about. Yeah, and uh, we still need to get a run in today so that I can figure out how to run a half a marathon here yeah. soon. You fat fuck. Damn straight. <laughs> um, so let's start with Windows Eight. Uh, apparently, that launched this week. It did launch this week. Yeah. big deal. Big deal for, for Microsoft. Seemed to uh, press wise seemed to do really well. Yeah, like uh, I, I was uh, getting breakfast the other morning and was watching the big uh, launch. Yeah. Um, it, so. It's weird, depending on where you look, right? There's a lot of folks that are excited about Windows 8. There's yeah. a lot of detractors from Windows 8. Um, and I think for the first time, the uh, detractors have gone a new route. Okay, what's, I, I don't know if I've seen any of this. So normally people are like, I don't like Windows because it's Windows, and I don't like it, and it sucks. Right, right, right. And you're like, okay, seriously? Because Microsoft is huge, and oh yeah, my they're god, evil, they're so uh, evil. Yeah, yeah, The typical stuff we've been hearing for the last 15 years since. Exactly. And, and the, the funny thing is, is the people that do this don't seem to remember that now they're going, Windows 7 is the greatest thing ever. I love it. And like two fucking years ago, they're like, fuck Windows 7. It sucks. And it's like, guys, come on. Yeah. Stop being jackasses. Um, Most of them still want to be running XP. Uh, well, yeah, there is that. So... Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I did read an interesting article this weekend about uh, a person who was lambasting people for um, still loving XP, even though they hated XP when it first came out. They went back and pulled out their articles because oh, it was the exact same edition. people. Yeah. Oh wow, <laughs> that's that's awesome. You know, just quick tangential. Uh, I don't think people realize that when you post something on the internet, it's there forever. Uh, yeah, we right? maybe, maybe we should make that a public announcement. Yeah, we should we should let those people know that. Yeah, so that when they make stupid comments, uh, like read their own and, podcast and yeah, say yeah. stupid shit. I can go back <laughs> and fact check fact check your shit. Um, I think politicians are the worst for this. I I know you don't pay attention to politics at all, but like it's really goddamn easy to find out what you previously well, said about something six months ago. Here's what I tried to explain to somebody I talked to this week at work, and I don't remember who it was. So if it was you, I'm sorry. Uh politicians don't actually need to maintain consistency anywhere because the fucking masses still vote for them no matter what. That, that, that is true. And I don't think you were telling me. <laughs> like, it is true. Why does it even matter if they're consistent? Because they're going to do whatever the fuck they want when they get there, just like they did whatever the fuck they wanted before. Yeah. Okay, so back to Windows 8. Um, oh, what I was saying is the people that have actually been uh, saying, hey, this may not have been a great idea, are the people that are saying, you took away the start menu, what the fuck? Yeah. Right? Um, and I think that's actually kind of a legitimate critique because Windows has spent so long um, with a start menu of some variety. I mean, since Windows yeah. 95, right? Yeah. It's been, uh, what, almost, Jesus. 12, uh, fi 17 years. 17 years with yeah. the start menu. Yeah. And there's a lot of folks that have gotten used to the start menu. And even when, yep. you st when they've uh, uh, futzed with the start menu throughout the years, people got a little, ooh, this but, is But here. it's still there. It's still, you go to the lower left-hand corner, you click, Something that says start or is a Windows logo or something. There's something there yeah. that's a button. Yeah, and now that's that's completely gone. And I think, uh, well, I guess it's not gone. If you hover over the left screen, it pops up the little box that you can click on and pops up your start menu, uh, which is the new um, tiled yeah. interface. In fact, if you if you go there, it, it actually says start on the on the the little pop up. Yeah, it does. But uh, 
I, it's a little less discoverable, it, though. It's a little less discoverable. It's a little less um, obvious. And uh, so I've been running Windows 8 now for, oh, I don't know, a couple months. And when I first started with it, uh, I didn't have any problem at all. Like, the lack of a start menu was actually fine with me. Yeah. A few little hiccups. Uh, but by and large, I think the uh, tiled interface, and this isn't just me being an apologist for Microsoft, the tiled interface moves us to a spot where it's much closer to what we ought to be doing for our applications anyways. Yeah. We should just be saying, this is the application I want. Please give it to me. Yeah. And that's what the start the tile start menu allows you to do. You just hit the button, start typing, and bam, there's your app. Yeah. Um I, one of the and I think it's gonna take some people there's gonna be a little bit of a learning curve for this for a lot of people, particularly yeah. the people who don't use shortcut keys already <laughs> and don't understand that they're shortcut keys. But yeah. um because it's not there. It's what it's gonna force people to do though, is become actually more efficient, right? Yes. Um I think it's going to be a hard learning curve for a bunch of people, but people are eventually going to realize they can just hit the Windows key and it'll bring it up, and that's a lot faster than mousing over to it. Now, that, yeah. that's the same thing you could always do with um, getting to the start menu, well, but it kind of forces people into that behavior. Actually, so I think Microsoft did a really good thing here where they moved away from the uh, um, like folder-based approach to finding your applications. Yeah, everything's just in one place. Everything's and now, in one place. And, and then the other thing is you just... Start typing the name of yes. it. And whatever it is, you start typing the name of it, and it comes up. Yep. For years, people have been installing launchers, like Launchy, or uh, um, if you're using a Mac, um, uh, Alfred. Uh, yeah. Tons of different launchers out there, Quicksilver, all that kind of stuff. And this is the uh, Microsoft's first foray into making their operating system just do what people have been wanting it to do for years. Yeah. The the other thing that's uh, kind of interesting, so if, you, if you're in Windows... Um, if you're in the start menu and you yep. start typing, so say I start typing Xbox. Yep. Um, now I'm gonna by default I'm gonna get Xbox applications up. So um, like if I type right now, I get the Xbox Companion up, uh, and I get Xbox Live Games. Yep. And then I also have the ability on the other tab. I can choose settings or files, so I can yep. choose the context of what I'm searching in. One of the things that I had kind of had a problem with with Windows 7 was if I typed Xbox, it starts searching through all my mail by default, yeah. right? And so I would get a lot of stuff that I didn't necessarily want. Um, now, uh, so it, uh, so one it sounds more like thing. you're coming out pro on, this, on the context side there. I, I am, and because I think it's going to make people more efficient. So one of the other things, so, so here's the behavior that it goes through. You, you start, hey, let me just type in you know, what yep. I want. I, I find it really easily. Mm -hmm. um, it, some of this is is time to understand how this actually works, which, yep. again, I went through the same learning curve. Um, I, I'm still going through it in some areas. Yeah. So below, like, app settings and files, right? So if I don't want to, I'm like, hey, I'm searching for Xbox, and I want to find blah, 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 application for Xbox. Uh, I can also then click on the store, yep. and it'll search for me for all of the things for Xbox in the store. Do me a favor. Search for... Uh, uh, schedule tasks. Do, 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 do. My typing's a little bit slower than normal. In uh, yeah, I just didn't want yeah. dead air. You know, um, that's bad. Did you so, find them? So there's no setting scheduled tasks in the in the store, and there's not an apps. But if I click on settings, there it is. Right. So I now, do kind of. I, I know here's what you're my saying. Concern yeah. on this one, like, uh, I don't care whether it's something in the control panel or something that I can run as an application because, you know, that's what you do with the control panel anyway. I, I think all of those should be kind of... I like the separation of files into its own thing. Yeah. I, I'm a fan of that.
But I think when it comes to things that I would normally either single click on in the start menu or double click on, yeah, both of those should pop up for me. I so so I agree because I I I'm not sure that I completely scheduled tasks particularly. I'm not sure I feel that that belongs as settings as opposed to apps. How about control panel? Which one does that come up in? Again, I assume. So I assume it's going to come up under uh, settings. You got a computer right there. I know. I'm going to do it. (laughs) So this is learning on the air. Uh, Apps. So control panel actually comes up under apps. Right. Which is counterintuitive with... Task scheduler being under settings. Yeah. See, and this is is my argument right here. And uh, that's why I think for... Anything you would launch to run to interact with a computer, yeah, that should show up. There shouldn't be a distinction between settings and applications. But I totally agree on the distinction between files yeah. and uh, yeah. I think they have a little bit of a consistency problem. Yeah, is is the key thing here is that it's not consistent between things that we think it should behave in a certain way. Mm-hmm. I think for ninety percent of the stuff though, it's going to work in the way we want it to because ninety yeah. percent of it's going to be is this an app or is it a file? And I think I'm going to get to the point where I just go, is this something where I want to? Comp- Control the computer or control an application and, or, or load an app, in which case I'm going to go to apps or settings. But yeah. again, control panel should show, if, if they're going to go that way, they should have gone with control panel comes up under app or yeah, settings. settings. Um, so like at, at the end of the day, it's like a extra down arrow to press once it searches through applications. You don't find it and you go settings yeah. and bam, it's there, yep. um, which is fine. But it, it feels a little confusing to me uh, while using there. So, uh, what are some of th- uh, uh, one of the other thing? I'm just trying this out really quick. Um, no, it didn't work. I can though also search. So uh, through apps that I've got, I can do contextual search from the exact same menu. So if I'm searching for like um, uh, Game of Thrones, or yep. I can't remember the actual book that I've got um, loaded up in the Kindle app, I can actually then click on the Kindle and see all the the books in my library. That's pretty handy, Which actually. Is so, so again, no, no, I'm going I, I through, the, the, through the same search menu to always get the same same sorts of things. The other thing that's kind of cool, this is now this goes to the, uh, I don't know what this is called, but the docking menu. So in the apps view, you get the docking menu that, that we're, we're talking about if you hit Windows, oh, yeah. Windows the, key. Uh, like if you Alt-Tab, you basically get the, the various... Um, Apps that are running. And yep. And if you hit like Windows key period, you, you know, you, you, or you can actually, if you've got a touch screen, which I don't, you can move your app that you've got and dock it on the, on the left or right side. Yep. Um, this can, kind of, the you can actually still do that with your, without the touch screen. You just drag the app and hold it over. Yeah, to the yeah. Left. It, but it's a pain in the ass. To <laughs> yeah. with, it's a pain in the ass to do it with a touchpad. It's less of a pain in the ass if I actually have a mouse. Right. Um, but yeah, it allows me to, to then, Dock that there, so the search is always there, and whatever other applications I'm using, and you basically have a film strip on either the left or the right hand side of all of your applications, which which allows me to do what I can't do on any of the other tablet devices. So we think about this from the Surface uh, uh, view. I can actually have full screen apps or kind of full screen like apps, Mm -hmm. and still multitask. So I can actually have multiple. uh, I can have a full screen app up and like a messenger app or my search app or other things up and yep. multitask through those. So kind of in some ways, I think with the, and I'm curious to actually start playing with the Surface RT. All of the reviews I've seen are, are really positive on it, but I think that it will actually introduce a multitasking aspect that we haven't seen yet on, on tablets. Yeah, I, I, I'm interested to see how it goes. That uh, I don't remember what that thing is called that you're talking about, but the little I, film strip I, on the side. I don't either. Um, Let me see if I've I can find a name been, for it. Uh, I've used it a couple times, but I don't know that I've fully wrapped my head around the benefit of it on a desktop machine. 
and this is one of those things that I had talked about even before Windows 8 came out, is that they've done a really good job for a tablet interface, but uh, uh, there's some usability can there, there's some usability aspects that uh, that I haven't fully wrapped my brain around for using on the desktop. Yep, I'm kind of the I'm I'm kind of the same. I think I I think it's going to be beneficial once I understand how to use it. Yeah, I, I like I suspect this is like a lot of things like when uh, Mac first came out with Expose, which allows you to like um, you know uh, hit a button and all of your applications that are open. <laughs> all of a sudden show up tiled on the screen and you can pick which one you want. Initially, I thought that was kind of just, you know, candy or eye candy and it, was hand and it wasn't really going to add any benefit. Yeah. And it didn't for a little bit until they started adding the gestures in and then they made it to where you could just, you know, go into expose, you could start typing and it would pop up. Whatever you typed would be uh, whatever it selected on the screen and then you could change back and forth between apps really easily. Yeah. I suspect this is another similar thing that I haven't quite wrapped my brain around it yet. So uh, one other thing I played with a little bit, and I didn't play with this on um, Windows 8 last night, but I did play with it on my Windows phone, uh, was the Smart Glass for Xbox. How is that? It was kind of cool so far as I could see. Um, one thing that was nice, so the rumor, like, I, I've talked about a little bit on in the past, like, whenever I'm watching a movie, I tend mm -hmm. to IMDB yep. and search on things. If you're using Smart Glass and you're watching a movie on your Xbox, that just works. Comes up. Uh, and it seemed to work on whether I'm watching a movie in Xbox Movies or Zune or Amazon. Nice. Sorry, I said Zune, I meant Netflix. So Xbox, Netflix, or Amazon all would like, it shows like a little window of like, hey, here's the, uh, here's, the smart here's, here's the movie that's playing. Uh, if you want to see more details on it, you can do this. I can actually basically treat my phone at that point as a remote control for the Xbox. So nice. I can pause it, whatever. Even before, like when I'm not watching a movie, I can actually use the phone as full Xbox control. So swipe up on my phone, it moves the menu up, left, right. I've got wow. in the corners, there was little like uh, XYB controls. If I just press in the center of the screen as a tap, it'll, it'll like be the enter. So I was actually like browsing through Netflix apps on my phone. Mm-hmm. For the for the and controlling the Xbox via my phone, basically, That's pretty handy, which was actually, actually kind of cool. Um, Is there a smart glass app for the iPhone? Uh, I don't know if they've got it for the iPhone. I did see that they launched it for uh, Android uh, earlier this week, and there is also a, a uh, smart glass app for Windows Eight. Um, I just didn't get around to registering my uh, my Windows Eight box for it. Um, so it was it was it was actually it was a cooler experience than I thought it was going to be. I haven't done anything where like I've tried like moving the the the, the video that I'm watching onto my smart glass device right. or, or back and forth. But uh, apparently that's all there. So I started exploring that a little bit. It definitely seemed cool. So it's something that I'm I'm hoping is is really kind of cool and integrates in with Windows 8 also. So and I was just in my head running through these things. So. It's no secret I've got Roku's attached to every TV because I like the uh, Roku interface. It's easy and quick and back and forth. And yeah. The Roku never turns on. It doesn't sound like a fucking airplane inside of my little cabinet. Yep. Do you suppose there's a chance that they'll have an Xbox Lite very similar to a Roku device, which d gives us the Xbox UI, but uh, none of the... Uh, no, oh, so you could just use... It, it ties you into the Xbox Marketplace. It ties you into all of the quick on-demand games. Let's you do net Netflix, Amazon. It'd be really right. fucking cool if they do did. pretty much everything other than loading a CD game or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Everything except the that CD. would be kind of a cool uh, like like 
like micro Xbox Micro, yeah. but you're running it as a Roku type uh, experience. Yeah, because that's one of the things I like about my Roku over either my Directv receiver or my Xbox or anything else is that little fucker is always on. Yeah, like there's no launch time because it's all solid state. Yeah. There's nothing in there. There's no hard drives. It just bam, it's there. So uh, I would so Xbox team, if you're listening, do that please. I want one. And yeah. I'll buy three. So so see <laughs> so so have we covered enough uh, Windows eight stuff. Uh, to um, move on, I, I want to explore a little bit more on some of the some of the things like uh, hotkeys, and maybe talk about them next week. Okay, but, we can do that. Um, um, we'll have a little running Windows eight yeah. segment. But uh, you're uh, you're mentioning Xbox, kind of brings me up to an, the next topic I want to talk about t- uh, today. Was uh, which and I, it'll tie back into what you were just talking about for for an option. Was I watched a uh, a cool documentary movie uh, Friday night? Uh, okay, well, called Indie Games, uh, and I'd seen the preview for this. I don't know seven or eight months ago. Like right when it launched, and I think it was one of those games. It was like, uh, "Hey, it's available to watch now on Xbox, but you basically have to buy it." So right. I was like, "I don't want to watch it for fifteen bucks. <laughs> I'll, I'll wait till I can rent it." And uh, I know I, found, I noticed it on on Netflix uh, on Friday, so I was like, "Ooh, this 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 looked really That's time good." To watch. Yeah, let's, let's 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 check this out. And it was it was funny because my daughter was watching it with me, and she was like, "I was like, eh, she's not gonna be all that interested," but she kind of got like super uh, stoked. She was kind of like checking it out. She was she was thinking it was cool. Uh, a, first of all, it's a really well done documentary. It's 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 well produced. Did it make um, you hate the government? No, not really. Um, <laughs> it was uh, what it's doing is it was following uh, three developers that were independent developers, um, and pretty much all of the games. One of them, Fez, I'd, I'd actually talked about in here um, a few. I don't know. A couple uh, months ago, yeah, back, about a month back. Uh, when it launched, um, but also uh, the developers for Super Meat Boy and Braid, which are basically um, two of the top arcade games that have ever been launched on the Xbox Live Arcade, and I think um, Braid's available now on things like Steam and and the PlayStation Network also. So um, Braid really took off. Uh, Super Meat Boy um, was awesome, but it was really more of the um, documentary of like the developer's experience of what it takes to develop an independent game on your own. So these guys, um, you know, when you look at it, the development time for an independent game is you're looking at two to four years. And really, these guys are just, this is all they're working on for those two to four years. And in some cases, they're working on it by themselves. How, so, are, they, uh, how are they managing to pay for rent and food and that kind of it, stuff for that time? didn't really go into that too much. It looked like um, in some cases, you know, they they either had a backer or somebody that was kind of like, you know, they they gotten enough of it done that that somebody was kind of funding their the project a little Using bit, like Kickstarter or something like that, possibly. Possibly, it, this was more of like it looked like the one guy, the guy who did Fez, it looked like he had a a business partner, basically somebody that was kind of funding it. Mm-hmm. Um, for like the guys who did Super Meat Boy, so there's two of them. It looks like they'd had some success with a previous game and had enough money to focus on focus on the next game. But they didn't have, like, millions of dollars. They had enough right. money to... Like, the one guy was living with his parents. The other guy, it looked like, was living with his, his wife, who was maybe kind of... But they were just... This is all, all we're doing. Game. And they hit... You know, you hit crunch time on things like this, right? So, yeah. like, the Xbox guys hit a point... Or the Super Meat Boy guys hit a point where, hey, they're trying to launch with Xbox. They've been working on this game for three years. And the Xbox says, hey, we got this promo t- thing this summer. If you guys want to get in on the promo... You're gonna have to wrap up and give us the game in the next two months. Right. Otherwise, you won't be able to launch until next February. So right. they've got another six months. So if they finish the game, 
in two months, awesome. If they don't, then they have another six months of we have no money. So right. they basically went into the mode where it looks like they were like working for 18 to 20 hours a day to you know eliminate all their bugs, finish all of their stuff, um, which um, I don't know that I've ever worked those kind of hours um, nonstop for like a two-month period, right? I've done it for like a couple of days in a row or something like that. But I can imagine where that makes you a little nutty. Yeah, um, but the, the, there is a subtle difference there, too. They're working on something that they, uh, you know, they have a lot of investment in, something that they're the only people that can. Yeah. Um, we work on jobs where the reasons we have to work that kind of stuff is because somebody planned very poorly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and somebody else is passing on their pain. Yeah. In in their case, though, I mean, they're fully invested in this. I mean, like, both the guy who did yeah, Fez yeah. and the guy, the Super Meat Boy guys were... 100% invested. This was their life. I mean, and, and, yep. and the, the guys doing the documentary at some point asked, asked both of them, like, what would you do if, if you couldn't finish this game? Like, if at this point it fell apart. And for all three of them, like, suicide was an option, right? I mean, it was like literally this is their life. If, if this doesn't work out, they're never doing anything ever again. They are, like, that could be it. Like, the one right. guy, the guy from Fez was like, yeah, this is my motivation. If, if I finish the game, then I get to live. Um, so <laughs> that that seems aggressive. A, a little, a little aggressive, but I mean, I mean, that's the amount of like you know the, the time and effort and that goes into putting in one of these games. Um, it was cool though because Super Meat Boy, over the course of the documentary, they actually were there when they launched, so they were nice. there on on launch day, and you see these guys like getting you know Super Meat Boy had ridiculously awesome reviews. I mean, like everybody, everybody on the internet was like, "Oh my god, this game is so awesome." Um, you got to play this game. All the reviews came out; they're super positive. So these guys went from overnight having no money, work, you know, to being millionaires. Basically, um, is the uh, payoff that aggressive? Yeah, I mean, Super Meat Boy sold. So again, over a million copies. Um, and how much did, was it going for? You're looking at five to ten bucks. So, so you figure out, you know, plus whatever Xbox gets for hosting and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So you're literally talking millions of dollars. Um, yeah, plus, the, they're probably the, still the low millions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's more than the millions you and I have. Um, Correct. Otherwise, enough to then go on and nicer. fund your next project and and live like you know comfortably. Yeah. Um. So kind of. What would you do if you got like three million dollars? Uh. So a, I'd buy a sweet car. Okay. okay, right? Uh, something like something that will burn out, right? Like a lot of burnout, right? And then I take it do to work and I do donuts in the parking lot for like an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'd be gone. That's it. I'm out. Yeah. Chuck your badge at the door as you go by. Basically, yeah. I throw it out the window as you're like well, on one of the, the spin arounds through yeah. the roundabout. Yeah. Hmm. That would be it. That'd be a pretty sweet way to quit, wouldn't it? I would. Yeah. I, I don't even know if three million would be enough. I, you need fu money at that point, like to be able to like. Well, really that's pull that that's off. kind of what I'm. What, what what is your fu money? Like, how much do you need to have before you can do that? Like twenty would be like I'm set that I can. Not only am I set that I can live comfortably for forever, that I can like live extravagantly for the rest of my life. Right. <laughs> that's that's where you hit it. Right. It's not just like like I think with a million or two million right now, you could be like, nah, I could, I could stop. I could invest my money, live comfortably as long as I'm careful and, and pay attention to my my yeah. my uh, my expenditures. But like twenty, you'd be like, I could live extravagantly and not worry about running out of money. Somewhere in that 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 lane, like hmm. realm. So, so I haven't like gone through and did the actual math. So that means you're playing Powerball, right? 
I'm not. Because <laughs> I'm not gonna, you're not going to win if you play Powerball. But I mean, like, Powerball money is the kind of money that you'd yeah. have. Like, that would yeah, be not, like, not the regular lotto. That's for fucking chumps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if you, I mean, the regular lotto, you might win a million or a few hundred thousand. And if by you the could time split they up. Tra- taxes out of it, you're down to 600,000, and that's barely enough to pay for anything. That's, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's enough to, uh, you know, clear out all your debt, buy a I nice hope. new house, and, uh, and, and, Improve your comfort level, basically, right? I think that would pay off my house, um, pay off our debt, and leave us with spending cash to go on a really nice vacation. Exactly. Well, and then really nice vacation. And then, you, but, but you'd still have to work your job. Now you'd work your job with a little less stress because you'd be like, I if I lose my job, I still keep my house, right? Yeah, and all like, I got to pay is for taxes. I could yeah. almost retire. I got to come up with like the three grand a year for taxes. Yeah. So I mean, you're, it's definitely like your comfort level go, becomes easier. Your stress level goes down. Everything becomes easier. Um, but yeah, you're not you're not like going screw you assholes. I'm fucking out of here. Yeah, doing Brody's in the parking lot. Ah, oh, that'd be fun though. Wouldn't that be awesome though? We need a bigger parking lot. The parking lot yeah. work isn't big enough for that. I'm not sure what kind of car I'd want for doing the Brody's in the parking I lot. I get a Lotus. Like, <sighs> it's a no. throwaway car, dude. It's a throwaway it, it car. Is. I'm thinking like I want like a Viper um, or some kind of supercar uh, to do that. Or like a '69 Camaro that's just like amped up with the engine, mm, like like talking. 600 horsepower engine, like you know, like not just the stock motor. Like right. I need something that's had like a blower put on it and, and like S- something a that puts turbocharger. Yeah, that really is gonna like, uh, yeah, and then just it, yeah, and then it's really loud, right? You got like big open glass pack pipes or something in it. It's yep. just like whoa, yeah. So the whole building complex hears you out there, like doing it. Everyone's like, "What around. the fuck is going on out there?" Yeah. Oh yeah. God! They're like, "Who's this asshole?" <laughs> <laughs> Finger <laughs> out the window. <laughs> bye bye. Screw all you guys. Fucking out of here. <sighs> yeah. I may do that one day. Yep. It's so awesome. Okay, so that was uh, indie games. A indie documentary. Games. In, indie uh, games into how I would quit my job if I yeah. had fuck you money. Yeah. And uh, so that's uh, available on Netflix. I'm sure it's available on Amazon as well as your public libraries. Yes, yes. It's probably in all of those places. It's a great documentary. And as a result, I went back and played a bunch of Super Meat Boy this weekend, which, oh, my God, you got to check that game out. So uh, you specifically have to check that game out. So remember... um, No, I don't. When you were a child... Yes, I do. And um, you were playing Nintendo NES, original NES... Remember the, the 2D platformer games were all crazy hard, right? Yeah. So it, I'm not talking like, like games now tend to be like, not always, but a lot of them you can just sit back at the edge of the couch and play through, even like yeah. Middle of Honor and that kind of bullshit. Like, you know, you're shooting stuff, but it's not like, it's not like you're repeating, trying to figure out how to jump over a set of spikes 500 fucking times in a row, right? Yeah, that was the uh, one of the things at Mario that I didn't notice when I was a kid is that the the difficult level dif- difficulty level on that was really out of whack yeah. for the audience of the game. And, and there were other games that were even harder. So like Ninja Gaiden or Battletoads yep. and some of that shit was just like frustratingly difficult. Yes. As kids we learned, oh, I'm just going to have to do this 50 times until I figure out the um, pattern to, yep. to do it. And for some reason as kids we didn't have a problem doing that. Nope. Um as adults, we do. <laughs> As adults, some of us have broken controllers. And by some of us, I mean our friend Kevin. Um, <laughs> this basically goes back to that method of 2D scrolling, right? Wow. Where you are, no, no, let's go short short map. All I got to do is this. And I can't fucking do it. This is insane. I'm literally going to have to go through and figure out how to jump over these saw blades 50 times before I figure out how to do it. 
and now I got to get through the next set of saw blades to finish this level, which is another 50 times. The genius thing that I love that they did, they, um, it, it's really fast. If you die, you're instantly back at the starting point. Okay. Right? So there's no like waiting for the, the map for to the reload respawn, or any of that. Yeah, or, or like uh, any death sequence or anything like that. Literally, yep. you hit the saw blades, you blow up, you guys back exactly where you started. So um, they, they memory capture every death. And when you finally succeed and get through, it replays them all simultaneously. Wow. So all of a sudden, there's 50 Super Meat Boys running across the map, blowing up, and you get to watch the one guy make it to the finish, which nice. is like super satisfying. Like when yeah. you, you you get super frustrated that it was so hard to figure out how to get through this thing, and then it's so satisfying when you finally like get, get it, there. and you get to see the oh my god, there's all my guys like blowing up when I was was in, and you see like the ones where you, you like die for like through. the the stupid deaths too, where you're like I I just fucking jumped to the wrong, like I just fucked it up, right? Yeah, yeah, and you, and you go oh yeah, bad. I remember when I just fucked that one up, and you see all that, and it makes it um, good, and it's it's humorous and funny, um, but yeah, that 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 enjoyment of solving the really mm-hmm. difficult levels is there's something there, so, yeah. so I, I recommend it. You brought up something interesting just a second ago. What's your feeling on death scenes in games and cut scenes? I, it, it, it depends. It can be done really well. It can be done really poorly. Um, if you were playing something like... Here, here's the thing. If you're playing something like Super Meat Boy and they had like some big death scene, right, where like it gets drawn out and, you gotta, and, and, and I'm dying 50 times, yep. it's really obnoxious because you end up watching the exact same fucking thing. Even if they've got six different death scene animations, by the time you finish the game, you've seen each one 600 times, and it's, right. it's not particularly interesting. Now, if you're playing a game where, like, um, your, your death is interesting and, and, it's, uh, and it doesn't happen super frequently, then, it, then it's worthwhile. See, I find myself checking out of games a lot uh, during death scenes or cut scenes, and it's like, uh, I know what this the story is. I walk somewhere, I kill things. Yeah, move the fuck along. Like, uh, I don't remember which one of the Halos. I think it was the first one where we got to play as the uh, aliens. So oh, Halo which would be Halo Two, two I believe. Halo yeah. Two, yeah. Halo Two really annoyed the shit out of me with its cutscenes. Yeah, there, there's definitely been games where, if it's not driving, if the story, if the game's not story driven, where you don't feel like you're. Yeah invested in the story and, and you're, I'm playing for the story. If all I'm doing is playing through to see what the finish is, then, then fuck the cutscenes. I think it's also the other thing that's hard, and this goes both ways. I do remember games though when I was like, uh, again, as a kid, Nintendo game, like a lot of, you just play through, I want to see the cutscene at the end because they did, they put some cool graphics in it, which mm-hmm. cool relative time frame, cool yeah. graphics. Now there's a lot of cases where I'm, you're playing through a game and the graphics of the cutscene aren't like amazing anymore right because yeah. I, i've seen amazing cgi yep. um or they do a weird thing it's, it's also weird for me where they you know you go from pixel animation or pixelated animation to the super crisp cgi type yeah. something right like the fantasy final fantasy games like final fantasy 7 would have like these uh you know you'd be playing as like a little pixelated character and then you'd have these you full know, on gorgeous nice rendered anime people jumping up and yeah. throwing each other ahead of them and and it's even weird when they would have multiple types of cutscenes. So, like, they would have, like, here's the in-game animation mm-hmm. thing, and then they would also have, like, a cutscene using CGI, and, and that, yeah. for me, that's always a little jarring. Um, 
I, I can see like the benefit of hey, let's let's give you a little video cutscene of something like you're playing as a character. Now here's imagine here's what they really look like when you're doing it. But again, it's got to be like something that's story driven, and I have to want it. There's there's times where it's just like you guys are just like being gratuitous, and yep. I don't care. So there's, I've seen both. There's when it's well done, I really like it. When it's not well done, I I really dislike it. I think one of the uh, worst done games of all time, uh, as far as cutscenes go, was uh, I want to say Wing Commander Four. But I mean, I think any of the wing commanders, right? Like, uh, the, the, that the, was the, it was almost with Mark Hamill, right? Yeah, it was Mark it was Hamill in there, and the the worst part about it was everything was on disc, so it had to go read the disc to load the cutscene. So right. you wait for the cutscene so to load. You, so you're like, ooh, a cutscene. Let me go get some coffee, and I'll yeah. come back, and it'll be loaded. Yeah, and then you go play the game for ten seconds and fucking die. Yeah, and back to the beginning because you have to rewatch the same fucking cutscene you already watched because they yeah did it again. Th- that is a that right there what you just said or touched on uh, if you put in a cutscene like if you got like hey there's a boss battle right mm-hmm. uh, and there's cutscene then a boss battle the cutscene should always like 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 I re- when I restart to fight the boss it should always be after the cutscene yes like they should never I should not be forced to rewatch the cutscene over and over again which I've played a couple of games where you're like. Seriously, guys, you really fucked this up. I'm really annoyed. I may not even finish the game at this point. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, so shall we talk about the next most disgusting topic we have on the agenda for today? Oh, we had another disgusting topic? Wait, oh. we had... Have any of these been disgusting? I actually have two disgusting topics. All right. And, and I, I haven't decided which is worse. So we're, we're going to start up with the one that I think uh, has the greatest likelihood of ending the world. Okay. The uh, fine, fine, fine scientists at, I want to say, uh, North Carolina State University. Yeah, 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 They're creating robotic cockroaches. That's fucking genius. Yeah. Uh, so what they're doing is they're taking cockroaches and uh, jamming electronics onto them. And the goal here is so that when there's, like, an earthquake or a building collapse and they need to send uh, um, somebody in to investigate, they can send in low-cost, a.k.a., come all over the place. Uh, cockroaches, a little bit of uh, electronics strapped to them to run in there and map out the area. Now, okay. you may find yourself asking, how do they do this? Uh, they wire those little fuckers up with uh, um, access to their predator sense. That's the same thing that makes them run like hell when they see things that are going to kill them. And they also have them wired up to their antennas so they can make them turn left or right as they need to. Okay. So they basically have now robotic cockroaches that they can kind of just remote control from a lab, see where it's at, what's going on, get the lay of the land, map where they've been, do all this other cool shit. Now, part of me says, this is a great thing, right? Because, hey, cockroaches can get anywhere and everywhere. We all know that. Yeah. Um, They're cheap, easy to manufacture. The other part of me says, why the fuck are we sending cockroaches into places that may not already have cockroaches? Yeah, because those things aren't cool. Uh, Nobody really enjoys cockroaches. No, and these are the big, like, hissing kind of cockroaches. They're, like, the size of, like, a fucking half dollar or bigger. I just realized the way to uh, make this uh, work. Infertile cockroaches? No, 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 it's better. So they've got a little camera on them and some electronics and everything else, right? Self-destruct, <laughs> right? So let's add, Boom. like, inside a little self, self-destruct, right? And you're not going to need much, little right? I mean, capsules. how much how much, how much, much explosive do you actually need to kill a cockroach? Probably, like, especially when it's mounted directly to their fucking head, right? I'm guessing you don't even need explosives. You could probably just inject uh, cockroach poison. No, 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 because that requires too much um, 
like me- mechanical and other stuff, right? I just need a teeny little explosive package attached to them, right? Plus, it's more entertaining. So now you're. Suggesting- I'm talking like I'm thinking like um, like a pop gun, little calf guns. Yeah, yeah. Right. You just have like that much um, blows their carapace apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the just just enough to like pop, right? So okay, let's send them in. Let's do our research and push a button and then pop, 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 and then problem solved. We don't we don't have any cockroach cleanup to do. I mean, there's some oh. cleanup of dead carcasses and stuff. Alternately. But, but if they're going into like an old mine or some other shit like that, like who cares? Yeah, you could even have them do cleanup. You have all the cockroaches go to the exact same spot that you need to blow up to get people out. Boom. Oh, you'd need bigger explosives then, but yes, that would work also. Yeah, but you get a whole bunch of cockroaches in there, right? All yeah, yeah. little explosives, that makes it yeah. big explosive. Well, I mean, you'd need like... Shape I mean, charges I, with cockroaches. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's the other thing. You do the shape co- charge like that points down towards their head to make sure that it really kills them good. Like, so now you need to figure out a way to make them stand all in a row yeah. and blow up a wall. Uh, it's problem solved. Yeah, done. All of a sudden, now the cockroach, uh, exploratory cockroach is genius. Can, can you imagine being the guy that you're trapped in a fucking building and you're like, help, help, I'm stuck in a building. My leg's trapped. And all of a sudden, like 100,000 cockroaches come flying at you and you're like... Fuck, fuck, no, 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 no. <laughs> it would not make that it any better. Cockroaches. And then they all, like, start going pop, 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 <laughs> exactly. pop. And you're like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> that would Something be shit. is not okay, yeah. The, the other thing that I'm a little concerned about here is uh, we all know that the robots are going to rise up and take over the world, right? Uh, robots are going to rise up and take Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I actually saw something. I didn't actually get a click on the... Li- I didn't have time to follow through on this, but somebody was... Uh, um, Posted an article somewhere. I saw it on one of like TechCrunch or Wired or one of the things that mm-hmm. I, I follow as tweets on on my on my phone. Um, that r- they're expecting robots to have. And again, this is one of these predicting the future things that, yep. that never really work out. But robots to be conscious by like twenty thirty something. That's still in that lifetime. range. Yeah, yeah, that's that's still when we're going to be alive. And and uh, yeah, the, I think everybody's worried about Terminator. Um, so scenario. So here's the thing, though. Do we really want to take a well-adapted animal, aka the cockroach? It's yeah. been here for hundreds of millions of years, and turn it into a robot, especially a robot that could eventually gain a hive mind to try and take over the whole planet. I, I, I don't think they're giving the. I don't think they're giving the cockroaches hive minds. I think all they're doing is uh, not yet, but once the ability what, once to control the cockroach. Once the cockroaches figure out what's there and they know how to breed appropriately to where they can take over the control of the electronics. You know, that's how it all starts. The going. cockroach hasn't figured that out in um, like a billion years or however, however long cockroaches have been around. They're, they're not going to do it in our lifetime. Even That's if we accelerate saying. it with electronics. Now, what I do worry about, though, is you think about, like, um, conscious, conscious electronics, right? The idea of, like, you're giving, like, a computer or, or a, uh, an a, uh, Android of some sort, like, mm-hmm. conscious mind, right? The only way to do that is to develop it to, hey, figure out how to, like, we're going to have to make them figure it out on their own, right? Yes. Which then they start figuring out other shit on their own, and then it just their consciousness just grows, yeah. and they take over the world and fucking kill humans when it's they realize they're It's kind of like kids. They're, they're nice and easy when they can't talk, and then you teach them to talk, and those little fuckers get mouthy. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I mean, and how many like movies have you seen where like the kids are trying to kill the parents? Lots and lots and lots. Right, the evil kid, yep. something like evil adopted like kid. Like Macaulay Culkin. The orphanage, or yeah, the, the, the bad son or whatever yeah. that was, yeah. 
So yeah, uh, let's not make conscious robots unless yeah. we have a kill switch on them too. Yeah. And if the conscious robots are listening, I'm totally joking. I don't should think be able to like hard code in like um, affection for humans. Uh, like the three rules. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in iRobot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which could be like overridden, of course, and so then you've got a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that was discussing topic number one. You want to yeah. hear the second one? Sure. So I, I know you you, were, you grew up in the country, so you may actually have a chance of answering this. Uh, do you know how much blood is in a cow? Um, I, I, I don't actually off, offhand, but no, this didn't probably come up. more than a couple of gallons. Yeah, there's about eight liters of blood in a cow. Okay, so it's about uh, four gallons. Yeah, it's about twice what's in the human body, right? Yeah. Now, we eat a lot of steak here in the States. Yeah. Do you know where all that blood Steak's goes? good. Blood sausage? No. <laughs> uh, I don't know. They probably, they got to reuse it for something. That's It's got to be valuable, right? No. It's one of the few things left that we don't reuse. Really? Mostly it just goes to waste. Huh. Ends up soaking into the ground, going other places, doing yeah. nothing. Uh, but a guy, and I, for the life of me, can't remember. Seems like you name. should be able to like mix that in with fertilizer or something, uh, which is gross, but... Um, I can't find my mouse. But, right. uh, yeah, there's there's a guy that's actually said, hey, you know what we ought to do is we ought to take uh, this blood, because we got a shit ton of it, uh, maybe add a little bit of sand. Because we do kill a lot of fucking cows. Yeah, and it's probably yeah. not just cows. We, everything we kill, right? Yep. We take all of its blood. Yeah. yeah. But Lambs and pigs. Lambs, and pigs, fish. fish, chickens. Yeah, all uh, those things. All of them have blood in my hair. Most of them are tasty. Yeah. Can't think of any of those that aren't. Uh, the fish, not like, oh, like not I go, I go a little iffy on the fish. All right. and, and I'm not a huge lamb eater, mm, but uh, cows, picking cows, chickens, and pigs, mm, yeah. all tasty. So uh, what they've decided is to take uh, the cow blood that's left over, a little bit of sand and a little bit of binder, mix it all together and create bricks out of it. Not okay. <laughs> <laughs> not okay. No. No. You don't want cow why blood does, bricks? Why does, the, why does uh, cow's blood, why does blood make a good agent for bricks? I mean, it sounds like they're already putting sand and binder in there, which is pretty much what a brick is anyway. Uh, what, what, is the, what is the cow's blood at as a benefit? Well, it's more the cow's blood acts as in a uh, mixing agent to allow you to kind of form it easier. As think opposed about, to water? Think, well, <laughs> think about an area. This is for like uh, areas in sub-Saharan Africa and places okay. like that where water is at a premium. Okay. And you don't necessarily want to be using your drinking water to make mud for your houses or whatever. Okay. You can then just use all this cow's blood. Hmm. Okay. We have an excess of cow's blood here. We can macabre, use it to manufacture the bricks and send them over for fairly cheap. Hmm. It's also a lot cheaper than, you know, typical brick manufacturing. Hmm. Okay. You're well, okay at least you're using it for something, right? You're okay with it as long as it's not us having houses made of blood. I don't really want a blood. It just seems like you're going to end up with like some poltergeist scenario where all these cows are trying to like, you know, get their revenge. I feel like if I'm just eating their meat, it's one thing, but like building a house out of their blood is another. <laughs> Consuming the cow's essence is fine, but just using its blood, not cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're okay with leather, right? So you're okay with wrapping yourself in blood or in the cow. Yeah. You're okay yeah. with consuming the cow. There's something about blood. And maybe it's just like the horror movie culture, the, like the buckets of blood that happen in Carrie or something else like that that just makes you feel like blood's a little bit more visceral. Yeah, um, you're worried that you'll you know, have a uh, a vampire on the outside treating your well, house. Well, when, when, when you go from like change, it, like when I see a steak, right? I feel like you know when it's cut up and it's in that mode, it feels like food. When it's uh, when it's just blood, like a big like volumetric um, unit of blood, it's 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 gore. 
and and gore is gross. <laughs> Plus, have you ever seen like have you ever been there when they've slaughtered a cow or a pig? No, huh? the smell is awful. Yeah, now, but I don't it, know if that's from the guts and stuff or if it's from the blood, but somewhere in there, slaughter uh, smell awful, truly awful. Yeah, I don't doubt that. Yeah. So uh, from the truly it's kind of like the scene in Empire at the beginning where Han cuts open the uh, tauntaun and the tauntaun. He's like, in. "Oh, these things smell worse on the inside." That's they. It's the same with everything else. They smell awful on the inside. So, do you suppose there's a tauntaun breeder or a tauntaun uh, is there trainer? Like somebody like who captures the tauntauns and teaches them how to take oh, saddles? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, it's weird because you think the tauntaun would be a wild animal in Hoth, right? That's I mean, what it I'm seems saying, like it's right? a native Hothian uh, creature. It doesn't have any problems. And it seems weird because like the rebels must have come in and landed on Hoth. Yeah, I said, oh, our technology doesn't work. And we, then we need to find ours. Yeah, that's weird. Think about it. Like, how do you find in a starfaring fleet of people? Excuse me. Does anybody know how to train um, local indigenous indigenous species to become like uh, pack animals for us? Yeah, and remember in um, in Star Wars, well, in the first one, they had the lizard things that the stormtroopers are using that they were yeah. riding on. The, yeah, who who's training these yeah. indigenous animals? And and how do you train a big fucking lizard to do what you want? No idea. That is weird. Yeah, I, I, it didn't strike me until right now, which is weird because I've you know watched those movies for years now. But, uh, yeah, so from the uh, questionable and disgusting to the, oh, my God, that is a great fucking idea, uh, what I want to talk next about is uh, what some folks over at LG did. So you may not know this. LG makes anything and everything, right? Refrigerators, uh, televisions, uh, monitors. And uh, they, they wanted to make a point to point out exactly how real and uh, good-looking their monitors are. Okay. So let's say that you are running a monitoring uh, a company that builds monitors and everything else. How would you make a statement to your employees, to the visitors, to your or to your uh, corporate headquarters? How would you convince them that you make a truly um, awesome product? I, I'd like I don't know install it in like the Superdome or something like that. So that they walk in right. and they can see this big. So huge when you're like, yeah, when you're at like a stadium uh, event, right, and you see the biggest fucking monitor ever, it says LG on the bottom of and it, and you're like, something ooh, like that's that. Neat. Ooh, hey, I did that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Now the folks over at LG, they took a different approach. They took nine monitors, which just happened to be about the same size as the floor of their uh, elevator. Okay. And then they put a little animation on there. Yeah. That looked like the floor of the elevator. Yeah. And as the elevator was going on a quick little ride, they made the animation a little more exciting with the floor falling out from under you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's badass. Now, That's like Tower <laughs> of Terror at Disneyland or something like that, right? Exactly. Imagine being the guy in there, you're say, there for a job interview, and you get in the elevator, you're like, doo-doo-doo. Elevator shakes, and I'm like, what the fuck? And then like a voiceover announcement comes in saying, we're experiencing a little difficulty, and then it shakes again, and then the fucking floor falls out from under you, and you're standing there going, you, oh, you, my... You'd lose your shit. Yeah, yeah. I, I would probably lose my shit. Yeah. Um, but that's what they did. Like They honestly made it like a fucking Disneyland ride in the elevators that there. That's so badass. I want to ride on that elevator. I know. I, I want to go. I want to try Is there a video of it that we can I watch? Did, I something? only found uh, stills. I didn't get it. Did it look video. like, did they just drop the whole floor out at once, or did they drop it off on like pieces so everybody in like pieces. moves into the corner and like... <laughs> in uh, pieces, so they moved wow. into the corner. Yeah. Wow. So the people were really like, fuck. Yeah, they, like, they thought it was oh, happening shit. for real. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, I... I and then they did they drop the entire thing out at some point where people are like, wait, what, what the fuck? Am I'm, I'm not standing dead. Here. Yeah. yeah, no, no, they totally did that. Uh, that that 
Did they tell the people? Or I, was it just, I just like... I, I guess they told them afterwards. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But can can you imagine as a big old company doing that? Because LG is a huge fucking company. Yeah, that's fucking genius. Like, I love that. Yeah, like I wish our company would do more st- cool stuff like that. Yeah. Like, you mean like fuck with its employees? Uh, yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. J- yeah. Just for fun. Because that's, yep. you know, y- you need to keep a sense of fun in your workplace. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I love yeah. that idea. It, I mean, they, they don't ever do anything that I might need to do there. So I can't ever go work for them because, yeah. you know. Still, you don't want to make refrigerators. Yeah, I don't want to make refrigerators. Whatever. Uh, Plus, I probably don't have the skill set for making refrigerators. That probably probably takes you know work and whatnot. Probably, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you know, whatever. Teach his own. So, So, uh, you had uh, one more topic I think that you wanted to talk about today. uh, I did. So I ran. I I I remember what it is. (laughs) I'd forgotten until just now, but uh, I ran into. I, I don't know where I ran into this at, but I, I asked you about if you'd seen the Mondo project before, and uh, it sounded like oh yeah you'd you'd looked at it years ago. Yep, yep. I've uh, early on when the Mondo project came out, I uh, played around with it a little bit. Uh, yeah. It was handy for me at the time because I was working on a Mac from time to time. Yep. Why, why don't you explain to us what the Mondo project is? Well, the Mono, so I saw it because apparently the Mondo project is is launching uh, V three of their uh, of of the project. Uh, I think last week. So the Mono project takes uh, .NET f- framework. And um, uses uh, I'm I'm not going to say like the acronyms for CLI and that sort of stuff, but uh, common language interface and that kind of stuff uh, to allow it to um, I can use .NET platform and basically compile it to run on any platform that I want, whether it's uh, iOS or Linux or um, Android. So basically, Mono is a little runtime that can read um, uh, .NET framework code and yep. execute it on. Non-Microsoft machines. Yes. So, the um, you know, without going into the details, because I don't fully understand them, um, <laughs> the, the obvious benefit of this, though, for programmers, and especially like, like, like right now when we're looking at that, hey, I'm going to program, I'm going to build an uh, application for, um, to, I, I want to build something for the mobile marketplace, right? I've got this idea I want to sell out there. Wait, um, you do? Don't tell anybody. I'm not, not going to go into it here. Um, I I want to get to that to the most people as possible, um, with the least amount of effort. So you know what? So first of all, I'm going to start looking at. First of all, you're going to hire a guy. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to hire a guy to do it because I can't do it clearly. Um, but if I could, um, hey, you know, I, I got to decide on which platform I want to build it for right, first. Right, because if you're doing Android, you've got to do it in Java. If you're doing iOS, you're looking at uh, um, Objective C. Right. If you're doing Windows Phone eight, you're doing uh, .NET Framework. Yep. Um, but with Mono, I could do it in .NET Framework, and without any significant effort, I could deploy it to all three of those platforms. This sounds like mystical magic. It's got to have some drawbacks. What are the drawbacks? Um, well, it doesn't support every uh, thing in the .NET fl- Framework. Why so don't you tell me about the drawbacks? Because <laughs> you probably understand them better than I do. So, realistically, there's the, the only drawback is that from the time that uh, Microsoft does something new, right? Like, let's say, MVC4. Yeah. It takes uh, the developers over at Mono a little bit of time to sort out how they need to uh, modify Mono so that they can support the new .NET framework stuff. Right. So when, when Microsoft released .NET uh, 4.5, you probably didn't immediately have all of those cool new functions available to you in Mono. Correct. Yeah. But if you look at Mono right now, I mean, it's got C Sharp 5 async support, uh, Partial support for MVC4, ASP.NET 4.5 uh, is not implemented, so not a 
Uh, the async pipeline is not uh, right. But you could still submit. do ASP.NET 4.0, probably. Yeah. Which isn't that old at this no, point. No, uh, .NET 4.0 is pretty much covered everywhere. I mean, it's got MVC 1, 2, and 3 embedded in it. Um, it doesn't do... It has... Uh, depending on which version of the entity framework it has, it'll also do server-side OData. I mean, uh, when I looked at this a uh, number of years back, the... Uh, coverage wasn't quite the greatest. Yeah. But it looks like they've done a phenomenal job now of really just staying on top of that and making sure that uh, the newer platforms for Microsoft, or the newer bits of the uh, .NET framework are actually there and supported. Yeah. So, um, what would be the benefit of programming in .NET platform as opposed to some other code language? What would be the benefit? I I'm asking you to, to speak to our audience. Oh, uh, well, here's the thing. Uh, if you already know the .NET framework, <laughs> it's better than learning Java uh, or Objective-C yeah. or any of the other um, myriads of things you may have to learn. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, if you're comfortable with it, if you know it, it just saves time. Yeah. Um, also, the benefit here is, let's say that you're a uh, um, .NET developer. Yep. And you've decided that you really want to try open source stuff. Right. Yeah. And you want to buy a, a laptop with Linux on it, or you want to get a Mac and just go to town. Uh, you can now do all of your um, .NET development on your new platform of choice. Yep. Right? You can still fire up your Mac. And uh, in fact, if you take a look, uh, there's a project called MonoDevelop, which is basically a uh, IDE that you can use to do .NET development on your Mac or oh. your Linux box or anywhere else. Yep. It's pretty handy. Um, I have used uh, both MonoDevelop and Mono in the past when I was working on some projects at work. Um, I was working at Microsoft at the time, and obviously we were doing stuff with the .NET framework, but my laptop for work was busted, so I could just go ahead and take my personal laptop, which was a Mac, yeah. uh, pu push the code over onto it, do everything I needed, compile it, run it, make sure it all works, and just be able to use whatever platform of choice I want in order to do work. Yep. So it allows you to be basically platform dependent, but still do the same development work. Yeah, platform agnostic. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, totally cool. And it does look like the Mono project has come a super long way where it's from where it was since I looked at it last. So kind of cool. Kind of allows people to like, uh, I really like it, the idea just uh, in the mobile world, right, where there's there's such disparity between the uh, programming languages and uh, between, you know, the two primary uh, markets, right, iOS and Android. Uh, just the fact that I could I could write an application that's going to work on both of those without without significant investment. And I totally agree. That is our, uh, that's our wrap-up sound for the week. Cool. Well, uh, have a good week, and we'll all talk to you guys later. <laughs>